Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast, bringing back the guest appearances with uh, some cool folks that either reach out or that I find really thankful that this guy from Traveling to Consciousness reached out. His name is Clayton Kuteri. Uh, really, really good dude. I hope I didn't butcher his name. I wish everyone had an easy last name, uh, you know, like Dean. Dean's pretty easy. No one can really mess that up. I guess I could be Deanne or something if you're wildly uh you know illiterate but this dude was really cool to talk to um reached out you know he showed me this really cool tool which i'll share for you know my fellow podcasters out there already posted on instagram like a 3d chart of uh you know how you can interact with other or rather how your show kind of lines up with other shows you know your listenership people that listen to this show also listen to this show and you know, that's how he ended up reaching out. He saw that, you know, in his graphic on this site, I was, you know, my audience, you guys overlap with his audience. So it was kind of cool, not only to learn that, but to learn a lot about this dude's perspective. Now, he comes from a spiritual perspective on a lot of things, talks about spirituality on his show. You know how I feel about spirituality, but... We had a fun conversation. I thought that this was a very productive conversation, to be honest. Now, we'd never met. Um, you know, there's always kind of like that ice-breaking period in the beginning, but we I think that we got past that pretty quick. Uh, you know, I start asking him questions. I know that, you know, I've been hesitant to have guests on in the past because I get held responsible for what my guests say. So I was very conscious and I was very aware that I needed to push back on things that I didn't agree with with him. And I did that in a respectful way. And he, he kind of challenged me on some of my thoughts as well. And I think that we both took something away from the conversation and that's how it's supposed to be, right? Um, you know, we say this many times throughout the episode, if you just agree with somebody, it doesn't really make for a very good conversation. So I thought this was a really enjoyable episode. It's actually one of the ones that I'm gonna listen back to um, just to hear everything again. It was great. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. Again, this is Traveling to Consciousness with the host, Clayton Kuteri, um, really, really fun dude. All of his links are going to be in the show notes, both here and on Patreon. And uh, he's coming out with a book. You know, when I first, you know, realized that we were going to talk here, I thought that we were going to be sticking to one topic, right? He's releasing a book on this topic, and these are essentially some secret kind of teachings of Jesus, right? This is from the book of Thomas. Um, something that was removed from the Bible. And he is writing a book on this. I guess he's going to be releasing it in parts. So uh, the link will be there uh, for that as well if you're interested. And um, I wanted to record something here separate just to do my housekeeping. I don't like doing that with the guests, uh, you know, just waiting, hearing me drone on like this. So I mentioned Patreon every episode. It's the best way to support the show. Okay, patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. 
three, five, and ten dollar tiers. This is about a after this intro, it's almost a two hour long episode in total, and uh, you get you know almost two hundred or maybe a, at this point it is over two hundred full episodes over there at the Patreon. If you are not a member already, to the folks that have uh, stuck around since day one, I can't thank you enough, man. There's some people that have been sticking around at that ten dollar tier since I started the Patreon about two years ago. Uh, you guys are incredible people and uh, you know it really really does help you know support the show and um you know if you want to just come by just for an episode or two that's cool too so uh please check it out good way to support the show do that with other shows that you enjoy too um they do a good thing over there at patreon for people like me and um if you want to you know get into the merch right if you want to check out some of the stuff that i sell over there at dangerousworldpodcast.com we do t-shirts. We also are doing the uh, conspiracy soap. It's going to be, uh, you know, maybe potentially an ad coming out for conspiracy soap. We're going to see. Um, there's been a lot of interest with, you know, companies in the show, to be honest. So we're going to try and be a little more professional over here without losing the entertainment and all that stuff, right? Um, I'm excited. You know, the, the show is kind of evolving just as I was a, a kind of losing interest in doing the same thing over and over again. It seems like when you try to get away from something that you shouldn't, right? I shouldn't even think about, you know, stopping this show. And I, I'm not, but I was just like, man, it's kind of frustrating to do this every week when you can't please everybody. People get annoyed and people, you know, death threats and all kinds of wild stuff. Um, it gets it gets old, right? But um I guess, you know, from from my guests here, you know, Clayton, his perspective would be the universe is telling me to continue doing this, right? I'm getting, I'm meeting cool people. I'm able to, you know, grow the show in, in multiple ways and sponsors are interested. So you're going to see the show evolve pretty drastically, but I think it's going to still be something very fun. And that's always the number one goal is to is to keep this fun. So uh, went off on a little tangent there, but yes, conspiracy soap. That's something that Ghost and I are doing. Okay, um, awesome stuff, man. I think that these are incredible. I think uh, I don't know how how more people aren't out there aren't doing these kinds of things. Everybody's got T-shirts. Everybody's got like hats and shit like that. Stocking stuffer type gifts, you know, little uh, kind of gimmicky things. I mean, these are fun, honestly. Um, there's four cents. There's invasion, which is like an alien themed one. Bigfoot bait, New World Order, which is my favorite scent, and then MK Ultra. So uh, I'm not going to bore you with, uh, you know, kind of bland talking ads like that or endorsements. Uh, we're going to have a nice flashy ad for you here pretty soon. So those are my things. Um, we also have Pure Pet Wellness, which is a great company. I've been rubbing the uh, balm on my dog Ghost's nose because he's got a dry, dry nose. He's an older dog. It's been helping, honestly. It really has been helping. Now, he licks it off almost immediately, but just the fact that that stuff is soaking in there is helping his nose out a lot. And when there's fireworks going off or any kind of stressful shit going on for a dog or a cat even, I'm sure, this stuff, the tincture, absolutely helps absolutely helps i know ghost has mentioned that too so go to pure pet wellness if you want to get 20 percent off dwp it can be easier right dwp is in dangerous world podcast dwp is your promo code for 20 percent off and the dude couldn't be a nicer guy that runs the company uh he's got a podcast that i don't know if they've started the podcast yet um but he's been on monday night master debaters he's been at talk on uh, talk at the tavern many times good dude uh the show that they do is cron spiracist 
And uh, his name's Nico. He's a really, really friendly dude. So uh, seems to really care about pets. And all of those products are sourced out of the United States, which could not be more important right now, right? I don't know if you've ever gotten like a Chinese dog toy or something. They can be pretty harmful to dogs. They can be sharp. They can cut the inside of their stomachs. Who knows what kind of CBD they got over there in China. This is good stuff. So again, Pure Pet Wellness, check it out. DWP is your promo code. If you can't remember... Just think of the words of the podcast here, okay? Now, let's get into this episode. Clayton Kuteri, really, really good dude. Traveling to consciousness. I recommend checking out the guy's show. Fun, fun dude. Um, Again, I do not agree with a lot of the things that he says, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn something from him. I'm sure he doesn't agree with a lot of the things I say. You know where I stand on spirituality. But... I think that you'll see that I push back and, and uh, again, do it in a respectful way. That's really important. I like to talk to people like we're talking face to face, right? I'm never going to call somebody a fucking idiot, right? Or, uh, you know, name all the ad hominem that goes out, you know, when, when you're talking online. Um, it's unfortunate. And I think it really kind of like devolves society. So it's important to do this stuff. Now, this is a longer than I had anticipated intro, so let's just get into it. This is a long episode, kind of, uh, you know, long form type stuff where, you know, it's more of a conversation. But here we go. Uh, let me know what you guys think of this type of stuff. This isn't what the show is going to permanently be, but I want to kind of throw things in there like this every once in a while because I think it keeps uh, keeps things fresh and interesting. So without me blabbing anymore, here is Clayton Kuteri from Traveling to Consciousness. Let's go. All right, guys, we've got a uh, guest appearance on the show, which we don't do too often at all. You're actually the first guest in quite some time. This is Clayton from Traveling to Consciousness. I'm really, really excited that you reached out, man. This will be a fun kind of chat. What's going on with you, dude? Well, first of all, I'm beyond honored uh, for that. And yeah, not much. I'm I'm chilling. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling joyous. I'm feeling happy. And I'm feeling excited for this conversation because you know, I know there's a lot of crossover with our audiences, so hopefully this is going to give them a, a solid little bridge between our two worlds and create a more powerful world altogether. That's great, man. How did you find that, by the way? I've been trying to find out, like, you know, who listens to my show and other shows. That's like a really valuable tool, obviously, for kind of cross promoting and just trying to, like, grow a community. Oh, for sure. It's there's a couple ways. There's one way, like on Spotify, and this is actually probably helpful for the audience as well. On Spotify, there's if you're listening to a podcast, there's like a little tab that says more like this. And if you click on that, it'll give you a list of podcasts that are similar. Uh, Apple has a similar feature all the way at the bottom of their thing. And then there's actually a chart. I don't know the name off of it off the top of my head, but I can send it to you later. There's a chart. It's like a 3D chart where it puts your show like in the middle and then it creates all these lines. And it's like a really cool layout. Oh, wow. And it shows you like this web of connection of like, okay, you're connected to this podcast. And then that podcast has all these little connections and it shows you like how similar or how close your audience is to other people. Oh yeah. I'd love to get that last one. I knew about like the, the functions on Apple and Spotify, but yeah, that last thing sounds great, man. Cause you know, I'm going to have to start getting more guests on the show dude. just, you know, with time, there's not enough hours in the day. I can't research and work and do all these things like I used to be able to. So We'll have to learn more about that, but I want to learn more about your show and I want my audience to kind of, you know, familiarize themselves with a little bit. Now, I mentioned it before we started recording, you know, it sounds like you do a very spiritual show. You talk about, you know, obviously consciousness and all these things, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, 
I feel like that's a term that's overused. Not that you're overusing it, but there's all kinds of people that that say that they have a spiritual look on life or or you know, they're whatever, you know, they're talking about all these different things. And at the end of the day, it's to put a message out there, usually their own message. And I feel like it's kind of been corrupted to a certain extent. Now I've had some bad experiences with some, you know, quote unquote spiritual people. So maybe that's kind of tainted my look on it. But you know, talk about your show a little bit and like what you guys do over there. Yeah, the core concept. We'll start there and I'll see if I can navigate my way into the yeah, yeah. spirituality part of it. The core concept of the show is basically just talking to people. Uh, my history, I was a software engineer, very logically minded the first 24, 25-ish years of my life. Like if I, if it wasn't in front of me, I didn't know what it was. And I would just be brutally honest with you. No empathy, really. It was just like, here's the truth. I don't know what you want me to do about it. And so I had a psilocybin. I did some psilocybin therapy. So like took some magic mushrooms and was with like a coach trainer, if you will. She kind of walked me through it and, you know, helped me release a lot of trauma, a lot of past childhood instances that were creating these ripples in my present reality that I had no idea they were creating such a reality. And whenever that occurred, it really opened me up to like, what in the hell is going on here? Like, it's not just this physical dimension. There's something beyond this that either our mind is connected to or our energy is connected to or our body, but I don't know what that is. Flash forward about two, a year and a half after that, two more psilocybin therapy sessions later, I quit my job, no plan at all. I have a great software engineering job living in San Diego, California, had two beaches within a 30 second walk of my house, surrounded by some of, probably not the, but some of the most beautiful women in the entire world. And I felt empty. So that's why I quit my job, traveled the world, started the podcast along the way. And really that pod, the podcast is really just me exploring what spirituality is. Who are these people? Who are the people you talk about? Who are the channelers? What, what are they channeling? Who are they talking to? Is this real? Is that fake? Is it all this just hoopla? Is there something legitimate at the bottom of all of this? And I think to, it would be good to touch on what you're saying here, or you're pointing out, which is the corruption of it. And I think that this is a idea that transcends just spirituality. And this is something that touches into every aspect of life. You can see it in religion. You can see it in any church or, um, you know, uh, even science, even science today. It becomes so dogmatic that there's no room for it to grow or it's just used in a backhanded slight of way of like oh you know god was just talking to me and he told me to tell you this that's the thing. oh he said if you don't buy this course then you know xyz is going to happen to you and that's dangerous right. <laughs> you know your podcast nails it it's a dangerous world we're living in <laughs> and we certainly need to have our own level of discernment whenever kind of going through these things and that's certainly an energy I try to bring into the podcast of trying to keep it grounded. The difficult portion is, is, you know, people saying that they're channeling beings or talking to certain aliens or whatnot. And it's like, there's a level of me that I'm not able to sit here and say, no, you're not because it's, 
it becomes a very subjective conversation. Okay. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. And so the way that I always encourage people, especially if we're talking about channeled information is learning to raise your own discernment. I think that's the key thing that everyone should do, no matter what you're doing, listening to me, right. listening to yourself, listening to church, listening to a politician, ramp up your discernment. Like, does this, is this, see, does this feel right? Does this sound right? Is it concordant with my current worldview? Is there some answer in here? Is this information not for me? Maybe it's for somebody else. And so I think that's really a strong piece of the puzzle for people to reclaim their own power. Yeah, man. No, I I think that that's honestly, that's a great way to look at it. It was funny that you mentioned, you know, being in San Diego, talking about, you know, being around beautiful women and having like, essentially like, you know, you you call it paradise, right? You talk about that a lot. And I think it was, uh, it says episode 181 here. And the title of that episode is manifest your dream in one day, right? Now, obviously reading that, it sounds like it'd be a clickbaity type thing, right? But you explain it in there. It's, it's changing your outlook to where you can be happy without the material things. Cause you're not in this episode telling people, Hey, I'll, I'll teach you how to make a million dollars in a week or something like that. Right. It's more about how to adjust your worldview to in a way it sounds like, and maybe I'm misunderstanding this kind of like get the universe to give you what you want. Right. Is that kind of where am I on base there? Or maybe what you deserve, not what you want. In a way, I would agree. I see it's difficult for me to answer because of the phrasing, you know, what you want. A lot of people, you click on that episode, like you're saying, you might want a million dollars. And so you enter that podcast thinking, oh, he's going to tell me how to make a million dollars tomorrow. But the core piece of it and this is something i think that's great for 99% of people who start this journey is understanding that you're not really chasing that material thing you're chasing the energy or the feeling that comes with that material thing so the reason you want a million dollars might be to feel safe it might be to have status amongst friends it might be to experience bliss you know there are different reasons for each person so the core thing is to understand, like, you don't really want the money. You want the feeling that comes along with the money. Or where's that money going to go once you get it? What are you going to put it into, right? So, yeah, like you said, safety. Uh, like you mentioned in, in San Diego, the beautiful women. You know, I, I've heard that women like money, right? Um, sure. So, the, you know, it's it's an, it's an interesting perspective for sure. Um, what got you into this? I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but what really, like, made you dive into this not not just podcasting but like the spiritual side of it was it just because of the trauma and then obviously the psilocybin treatment is that what really got you here or what made you kind of seek that out well podcasting i was playing around with the idea of podcasting maybe three years before i even started my own podcast i obsessed i was obsessed with joe rogan i loved Mm -hmm. his style i loved seeing that he was able to hold a conversation for three hours with one person. And there was a piece of me that thought that this has to be, and I probably still think this today, that this has to be one of the 
wisest people in the world. And I don't say that, I, I hope that doesn't come across as me like, you know, metaphorically jerking off Joe, but it, there's something about that, that it communicates with me that he's sitting down with some of the greatest minds on planet earth and he's able to talk to them. Like there was a piece of me that was like, this would be the coolest thing in the world for me to gain more wisdom about myself, gain more wisdom about the world. So that was really the cornerstone that I've been working with for well over five years now. Due to random events, the universe has its ways. I didn't start the podcast, whole long story. And then once this whole dimension opened up to me from, from psilocybin, from mushrooms, from other plant medicine that I tried, there was a piece of me that just knew there was something more. There just was this internal calling of there's something here to explore and I'm not satisfied with the world that I'm currently living. It's not, there's something missing from it. And I have a feeling that it's in this dimension. Mm. I don't know what that is. So why don't I start talking to the people who have been in this dimension for five, 10, 15 years. And I figure if I talk to enough of them, it'll help me a shape my worldview and B see where that corollary, see where there's corollaries are. See if there's things that multiple people are saying, see if there's different ways that people say the same thing. And it'll give me this new perspective on the way that I'm currently viewing reality. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to say that, man. Like the like the idea of the the clockwork elves, right? This is something that a lot of people talk with about, like mostly with DMT. I don't know if people talk about that with shrooms, do they? Uh, you're gonna have to remind me on what that is. The clockwork the elves, clock, clock. Oh, like the little uh, beings, if you yeah, will. It's a it's a strange thing, man. And and like I think that you know when you hear people talk about those specifically, they make it seem like these these elves are like just you know, benevolent beings, there's nothing that could possibly re- be wrong with them. They're, they're not, you know, potentially like demons posing as these things. Right. Um, That's what always sketches me out about this stuff because you have people like Joe Rogan. And I, obviously you, you look up to him from a podcasting perspective and stuff. I personally, and I've become very cynical when, when it comes to, you know, the, the people in high places that are passing knowledge around and all this stuff. I think he is essentially controlled opposition. I think he's out there to promote certain things. I've heard, um, actually my friend Matt, uh, who I hope that we can do a, you know, a show together on his Monday night show. He told me about some topic. It was about some lost history of some kind where Rogan didn't want to talk about that on his show. And you, you, you have this idea out there, not you, but people have this idea that Rogan will talk to anybody about anything, right? It's not the case. You know, they make it seem like that. Um, and, and again, I'm very cynical. Obviously, people need to have some kind of, you know, open mind and, and trust in some people. Um, but when it comes to those clockwork elves there, he is one of these people that perpetuates that idea that, you know, these are like the builders of society or not society, but the, they fabricated our universe and all these things. And I, there, there was a dude named, I think it was, it was Matthew North. He was a kid talking about this. And my audience is familiar with this guy, but. A kid talking about, you know, Rogan being part of this cosmism idea, which it's a Russian philosophy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with cosmism, but it's not communism, but cosmism is essentially transhumanism. But like if you're looking at transhumanism being like liberal politics, cosmism would be like conservative politics. 
right? R- similar, but different, obviously. Um, and the cosmos believe in using, you know, psychedelics to essentially help create transhumanism. There's a CIA article talking about how psychedelics are almost like a, like a formaldehyde for your brain. Like there's a way that it can kind of embalm your brain. Um, so I don't know, you know, how that fits in exactly with the healing and all this stuff. Cause I know it's undeniable that, that psychedelics can heal people, but you wonder at what cost it is, right? Um, obviously people need healing. If, if there's some trauma that was outside of their control, especially when they're children, um, they need to address this stuff. I, I know that it works very well for people with, uh, PTSD, which that's not just, you know, ex-military members. It's, it's people that had trauma from their childhood. You can have it from a car accident. I had a nasty car accident. People would tell me I have PTSD. I don't think I do, but maybe I do. Um, you know, it's interesting just to see the, because this is coming a wave, right? People are, are like in a massive wave accepting the psychedelics and, you know, legalized marijuana, which is backed by people like George Soros. You know, I never trust what those guys are up to. So I'm curious if you think that there's a downside to any of the psilocybin stuff or like the mass acceptance of psychedelics for healing and whatnot. Do you think it's all good or do you think obviously using discernment, you have to decide for yourself, this is good for you, but do you think that there could potentially be some kind of trap set by all this stuff? The short answer is a hundred percent. There can be a trap set and I'll dive into that in a second, but I'm getting called to feel like I should also lay out that number one, you do not have to take these things to heal. Sure. They're, just another tool that exists in the world is, is not like uh you have to do this in order to experience a profound reality that exists. And I hope that doesn't come across that way. No, not at all. And then the sec. Okay. And then the second thing is, is that, and so to kind of finish that is that you can also find all that stuff by through deep meditation, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. But on top of this, I do believe that you can fall into those traps that you're talking about. Now I haven't personally experienced it, but I've heard of stories of people who I think there's a name for it, but there's people who will just jump from plant medicine ceremony to plant medicine ceremony to plant medicine ceremony. Oh, Jim, what, what plants are you doing this week? Oh, I'm going to do an ayahuasca this week. And then I got psilocybin the week after. And then now I haven't met anyone like that. I've only heard stories, but that is, very much a similar trap just as bad as taking any sort of prescription drugs because you're not allowing yourself you're not allowing your human self to integrate the wisdom that came to you and i I think it's also important jordan peterson has a good quote on this which is to avoid or be careful of unearned wisdom Mm. so the way that i see this is that when you take psychedelics in a controlled setting, in a safe environment, you kind of get this veil pulled back of what's behind the curtain. Whenever you leave that space, the curtain gets shut. Now you want to sit with an experienced practitioner because they'll be able to help you understand what you experienced. And even more importantly, what steps you should take in regards to what you experienced. So like you can get that veil pulled back and it can tell you, hey, you need to do something that you fear. That was why I quit my job. It's because I had to do what I feared most, which was quitting my job. (laughs) So 
I got that veil pulled back and then it got closed. I'm like, okay, cool. I have to quit my job. Now the trap is, is not actually doing the things in this physical reality that you saw on those plants or, you know, whatnot. There's also a trap there that if you're not sitting with a good practitioner, that could have not been the answer that was for me. That could have been something else that I interpreted incorrectly. So there is a lot of caution that needs to be brought with this. And furthermore, if I don't take the time to actually integrate and take action on the information that came to me, that's a huge issue because now you're just going to keep escaping into that otherworldly. It's weird to say otherworldly because I believe that it's right here. It's not really like in some distant place. Like a parallel thing, you think? Like a parallel, not what maybe whether it's a dimension or reality or like, how would you explain that? I think that's something worth kind of diving into. Have you ever, there's a really good video online that's, um, it's like explains the 10th dimension and it starts off talking about how, like, if you have nothing, like a zero point empty space, there's nothing. Then one, the first dimension is making a dot or a point. I want to make sure I'm saying this right. No, that's not correct. So a point is the first thing that can come into existence. The next thing that happens is you would create another point. So now you have two points floating in space. In order to create the first dimension, you have to make a line connecting those two points. So a line is the first dimension. Right. Now, to stake a step up to get to the second dimension, you have to make a line that crosses that line. And this would be like, length and width or height and width. Sure. So think of like a playing card, you know, you have a king of spades. So you have a king on a playing card, you spin it. And as you spin it, the king's going to disappear for a split second as you're facing it on the width where the width should be. So this is a two dimensional creature. Now, if a two dimensional creature were to observe a balloon it would only see the balloon in sections. So whenever it would enter its reality, it would start as a really, really small dot. And that dot would slowly expand out into a big circle and then slowly disappear as it perceived a, a balloon. Now to us as humans, we see it as a three-dimensional figure. We see it as a, as a what are they called? A sphere. <laughs> yeah. We see it as a sphere. Now, above that, and it keeps going higher and higher, but the point is, is that we have, quote unquote, access to those dimensions. We are just not physically aware of it because we've been so entrained through so many different mechanisms that this third dimension, length, width, and height, is the, quote unquote, ultimate dimension. And even more than that, our brains get trapped in the fourth dimension, which becomes essentially time, Right you think of things as like today, tomorrow, the next day, that's essentially the fourth dimension. And then when you want to go higher, there's more dimensions, but I want to take at least a second and say, did, did that make sense to you? I, I'm hoping that kick clicked a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, um, if I was making weird faces, it's because I was looking for images on here to try and find it. This was the only one that I could really find that sounded like it was alluding to what you're saying. And this is just talking about the first dimension, basically taking one point, adding another point and then drawing a line between them. That would be to create the first dimension. All we need is a line joining any two points. A first dimensional object has length only no width or depth. So then you say you expand on that by adding width, adding depth, 
And then obviously time, which you can't really like draw out really like other than like with a calendar, but that's not a very accurate way to do it. Right. So is this what you're alluding to, but then you have to expand on this, you know, nine more times essentially. Yeah, essentially. It just becomes then difficult once you hit the fourth time for our brain to, cause like this video I saw, it took me like, let me see if I can find it real quick. It took me, I probably rewatched it at least 10 to 15 times. And I'm like, every time I just like barely get a little bit more piece. Interesting. Yeah. Um, This is kind of interesting too. I don't know if you've seen uh, this connection with like the idea of yin and yang for the dimensions. So you, uh, the odd okay, so real quick, just so I'll, I'll check this out in a sec, but just so you guys, so the listeners are aware yeah. um, on YouTube, you can type in imagining the 10th dimension and it's a two part series. It looks like there's part one, part two. It was uploaded about 16 years ago by 10th dim. So one zero T H D I M. Okay. And that'll, if you understand that the first time you watch it, I, you deserve, I don't know, you deserve to be a millionaire or something. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, man. It, so that stuff is complex. And this is kind of where, when you start talking about dimensions and things like that, this is the thing that's interesting to me about dimensions is what kind of entities could be in those things, right? Because supposedly, if I'm understanding it right, fifth dimension beings can obviously be in our world. We can't see them, but they can be here but they can access higher dimensions, right? They can't get up to six, but six dimension beings can go to fifth and under and so on. Right. So they, it's like, you can't go above. So we're technically in our bodies. We're fourth dimension beings, correct? When your consciousness is aligned with the physical world, the body. Yeah. You're technically a fourth dimensional creature. There could be some people, depending on how engrossed you are in the physical reality only be, let's say, third dimension. But th- again, this comes down to a state of perception. Okay. So based on your level of awareness, you are able to transcend dimensions. Does It, it sounds a little bit like Scientology, a little bit. Does it? I don't know. I've never studied Scientology. It, it, I mean, not, not to, you know, poke fun at the idea because it makes sense, but... I don't know. It, it It is definitely interesting. So you, do you believe that there's people that are, you know, whether, whether they're reptilians or whatever, right? Like, do you think that there's people here on this earth or beings here on this earth that can access these really high dimensions? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're here, you're sitting right in front of me. You got the power to do it. Everyone listening has the power to do it. I've got the power to do it. What dimension do you think that like people can get to? If that's the, I mean, maybe that, maybe I'm not even asking the question, right? I feel dumb asking it like that, but I mean, I mean, no, I don't, I mean, don't feel that way. It is, it's a good question, but I think that, and this could be like another one of those traps, right? If you want to talk about traps that get laid, the thought that only aliens can, you know, observe higher levels of consciousness is just factually not true. You have that ability yourself. We all do. And placing that power to something external from you is, I think, one of the biggest traps we can fall into. Hmm. So, so like, like, are you, you're not saying like believing in a God or anything like that, or, or are you saying like God's within us to that extent? 
based on hmm, the short answer to your question is yes i believe that there is a fractal of god that is within every human being and i think that it's god who essentially creates everything that you see you touch you feel the difficulty i think is with explaining this and why i hesitate to always say it is because of the way that because there are multiple ways that god can manifest in this physical reality and i think that's a difficult concept to understand and maybe explain especially because majority of people myself included was brought up on believing that God was this man in the sky casting judgment. Okay. You're good. Okay. You're bad. Okay. You're good. Yeah. We're going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. The, the thing is, is that God manifests. And when I say manifest, I mean, just like appears or right. shows through in different ways. Um, some of these are known as, uh, well, according to the guru that I follow, his name's Paramahansa Yogananda for anyone who's read his works. It's there's 10 ways that you can experience God. One of them's light. So if none of this, if there was no light in the entire universe, nothing would exist. Another way is vibration. Another way is through bliss, through calmness, through peace, through wisdom, through intelligence, through devotion. I think that's seven of them. I haven't memorized all of them at this point, but the cornerstone is, is that God appears in many different ways that constitutes and creates our experience within reality. And a piece of that is that there's a piece of him that is a part of you. There's a piece of him that is animating your body. Now, with that being said, you still have free will to do what you will with that energy of God. And where this kind of goes full circle is that the more you cultivate that power, the more that you identify with that power of God that's within you, you are able to open yourself up more to these, these conversations we're talking about, whether it's, you know, teleportation, whether it's um, accessing higher dimensions, whether it's telepathy, whether it's turning water into wine to me, that is you, you, there's a process, there's a science behind it, and you're able to then cultivate that energy such that you're aligned and in tuned with that frequency that mm. is God. Interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. It's, it's definitely, it makes sense. What'd you say the guy's name was that you follow? Paramahansa Yogananda His okay. his book, which I recommend everybody reads is the autobiography of a yogi. Okay. That so book yogi. Yeah. That okay. book's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if, uh, cause you hear this idea. One thing that stuck out when you said it, that, you know, to the God can appear as light. Right. Um, now is that a literal interpretation? Like actually like, like the sun or something like that, or, you know, a, a good metaphor for it is like, if you go to the movies, and, you know, you're sitting down with your popcorn and the movie comes on. What we're experiencing and what we're seeing is the movie itself. Me and you right now are filling out roles in God's dramatization of 
2023 on this earth where God is that light that's sitting behind the film reel. He's the one that's projecting through and kind of creating the whole scene, if you will. So we need each other. It's not like, it's not like it's just him and it's just, or it's just us. It's both of us working together to create this experience for all of us to, well, experience. Right. No, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. I've never heard it broken down with the, you know, the, the idea of like a projector. Um, Cause, and then that makes me think of things like Bigfoot and all these weird things where it's like <laughs> people will see a projection when they, when they see these things sometimes, right. Mm. That's blue beam technology or what that might be. That's definitely interesting. And do you think that, you know, the idea, cause what made that stick out in my head is the idea that Lucifer is the light that a lot of people say, right now, this is not something I believe, but um, if you read into the Bible in the way that it's understood, and I'm no bi- you know, biblical expert by any means, but, you know, they say that, that this, you know, Lucifer's the light bearer and all these things. And I wonder if that's been hijacked. Cause if you, you know, I done episodes on this before with, there's this character that not many people know about at all. His name is Uriel. And if you read about him, it's the same things. He's an archangel, but it's the same kinds of ideas that are Lucifer before he was Satan, before he turned into this, you know, evil being, whether you believe he was evil forever or not. Um, organizations like the Freemasons and things like that believe that Lucifer is the good guy. Satan's the bad guy, right? Lucifer represents the light. Satan represents the darkness and whatever. Where do you stand on that idea? Because I think that's a really interesting thing. And I, I maybe it's this is my own beliefs and my own, like, you know, inability to get past that idea. But whenever I hear of that light, I always think like Satanism kind of um, rebranded or kind of like hidden Satanism. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I'd recommend yourself and everyone go check out uh, Odyssey number 80 on my podcast with uh, Esoteric Eddie. And he would honestly probably be a great guest for you. You know, Esoteric Eddie? I, I haven't spoken with him, but I have my one of my friends has talked with him and uh, he's an interesting dude. His His takes are, are pretty interesting. Very interesting. And I'm going to probably do his breakdown of injustice, but Lucifer, it has a really crazy um, history behind it. He talks about how Lucifer was hijacked, exactly what you're saying. There's only one reference to him. And what was trying to be laid out is, I don't remember who the writer was. It might've been uh, Isaiah but he was writing about the Babylonians and pointing out how they were trying to be like God and basically saying that they are attempting to be a God, but since they're attempting to do this, it's not going to work out for them. So he called them Lucifer. Now, if you translate Lucifer backwards, like if you go back and look at their definition of it, Lucifer actually was a reference to Venus. The reason Venus was called the light bringer is because when you look at the horizon, Venus rises in the sky before the sun. Venus is also the brightest celestial object in the sky other than the sun. So whenever the sun rises, it's usually preceded by Venus. So you see Venus first, then you see the sun. And metaphorically speaking, the sun is kind of like God, right? You, If you look at any saints throughout history, they always have like a gold sun behind them. It's to denote their what's called self-realization or their status of being saintly. And so the sun is a metaphorical depiction of God. 
So whenever he was saying Lucifer, he's saying, you're trying to be like, you're trying to be like God. And the thing is, is that you'll never be like him because of the ways and things that they were implementing. And so, you know, time passes. And I don't think it was until the King James Bible, which was whenever Lucifer was attached to Satan, and then they became interchangeable. However, for the first, what would have been 1200 years of the Bible, I mean, I guess even hell longer than that. It was always that they were two separate entities. They were never the same until 600 years ago. Mm. That's definitely interesting because, yeah, that's why they call it the morning star, right? That's like the, uh, you know, or Eastern star, I think, is another one that they use for uh, the females that are like the counterpart to the Freemasons. I, I think that they're morning star is what it's called. Um, But, yeah, man, I, you know, when you, when you mentioned that, it all sounds like paganism, right? It sounds like Christianity is even paganism, right? Especially when you look at the holidays that they worship, right? Um, I consider myself to be somebody that follows Jesus, but I don't identify as a Christian necessarily because yeah. I think that all of that stuff has been hijacked. And if you're talking about sun and, and you know, God being the sun and all these things, that sounds exactly like sun worship to me. I suppose that I see it more as an abstract idea that represents God, because like, here's the deal. If we're talking about the infinite thing that embodies everything, we need to have a way to personify that, right? Like I just said here that God can manifest in 10 different ways, which means all of those different ways, wisdom, light, vibration, sound, uh, all those different things, they're not exactly God. They're just different manifestations of him. So if you're trying to break that down into a story, you got to use items that we all can agree upon and understand and visually see. So we're saying, hey, look, like if the son is God, Lucifer is trying to be the closest thing to him, but they're not going to be able to be. Now, I think the the difference becomes is if you're giving your devotion to the God, to the Son. If you're sitting here saying that I give all of my, you know, health and life to the physical Son, that might be where the issue would lie in because it's far more complex than that. Then on top of that, when we come to paganism, Paganism's a, a, I've had a pagan on my podcast and even he has a difficult time kind of describing it. But to your point, it's like these old kind of traditions that they had. And there's a level of having different deities. Like there's a, a God of the mountains. There's a God of uh, love, of hate. There's a God of this, a God of that. Mm. And again, this was kind of something I realized when I started studying uh, the Romans was that they had those things as well. And what they're trying to do is have a personified image. So, you know, if you're talking about love, right, we would say Cupid is the god of love. Well, what's the story of Cupid? Who is Cupid? So then you have this whole story associated with one main actor. And what they're trying to do is say, okay, if love, the energy of love was to live out a human life, what would it experience? What would happen? How would it act? What would be the pitfalls that it would go into? And so the way that I see it is it's almost a a story that we've put on in regards to 
these energies that are subsets of God. Now, I think the, and exactly what you're saying is to stay away from paganism. Don't observe those energies as being the highest form. So if you set Cupid as your highest pinnacle, your number one God, you're going to experience all the pitfalls that come with being Cupid. If you sent money as your highest God, okay, what's the energy of money? I I know there was like mercantile um, gods that uh, they had, but they're not coming to mind right now. Mm. So if you follow those ethoses and do that, your life will follow their same trajectory. The argument, and I'm by no means, am I going to tell anyone to do it? You can do whatever you want of your life. But the argument I think I would make is, well, why not follow or devote yourself to the highest being on that totem pole which would be like the God of gods, which would be the God, which would be the cosmic energy, the animating force of everything that we have. I mean, you can worship whatever you want. Some people don't even worship anything, but the way I see it is why not put my entire life into the thing that's creating all of this? Hmm. I, I guess the, the reason why I have a hard time with it personally, and, and for the record, I, I, you know, I'm not saying anyone shouldn't be pagan. I, I don't give a, a damn what anyone, you know, worships at all. Right. Um, I think that a lot of Christians are actually pagans without even realizing it with the with the holidays that we celebrate, right? Um, especially here in this country. But um, the idea of worshiping whatever created all of us, um, a lot of people think it's you know the cosmos, whatever, right? Um, no one really knows, you know. I don't. I, I truly believe that we don't know where we come from, and part of me thinks it's supposed to stay that way. You know, I don't know if that makes me ignorant. Or, you know, if that makes it so that I'm just not understanding something or what the case is. But I think there is such a thing as too much knowledge. Again, that might make me sound ignorant. And I'm not saying that anyone that I've ever spoken to has too much knowledge, because at the end of the day, we're all kind of guessing. We're all we're all following some pattern or something, you know, that that we see that makes sense in our own heads. But um, I think that there's a, a certain level where where people should stop trying to learn where we come from do you agree with that or do you think that i'm completely off base with that and and honestly say whatever you want like i i'm not you're not going to hurt my feelings i think there's truth to what you're saying i see it kind of manifest in the spirituality community in terms of identifying the emotion you're going through and then acting on that emotion because you have that emotion Whereas there's a level of just accepting everything for as it is. Mm. Okay. I'm feeling sad right now. Or even, sorry, let me backtrack that going even a little bit more meta. Okay. I'm feeling an energy right now. I'm going to use that energy. I'm going to create something with that energy. Now the problem becomes is what are you aligned with, which kind of ties into what we were saying earlier, where if you're aligned towards a, being or entity then that is less than optimal well i don't even want to put judgment on it just what are you aligning towards and i think this is also a very practical way to even look at god say everything i just said it goes over your head what is the highest attainment you can call that god what is the pinnacle of something that you want to aim for you can pick a person you can pick a thing you can pick uh i don't know whatever whatever you want to pick a god a deity and whenever you observe that energy, direct it towards that deity, whether it's excitement, whether it's sadness, whatever it is. And by funneling that energy towards that deity, 
you're now becoming closer to said deity, whatever it is that you want to identify that thing with. And right now, kind of losing my train of thought. Am I answering the question? No, you absolutely are. And it's bringing up several other questions, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, if you had a thought to finish there. I know that we're kind of getting in the weeds, right? Well, I was going to go back. I felt like there was something left there to answer the original question. There was like a little piece to bring it back, but I kind of forgot what your original question was. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a, quite a few, but it was basically, you know, like the idea of, of you know, worshiping these these things. The idea that comes to mind right away after you saying that is like, isn't this potentially false idol worship? And I don't know where you stand on that idea, mm. uh, but I know a lot of people get very you know, concerned with that, even to the point where people don't want to use the term Jesus anymore because we're being told that the original name was Yeshua, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all kinds of Christians that are that are starting to worry about using the term Jesus. And, you know, I think that this all kind of falls into this whole idea of the one world religion, which I think a lot of this comes from this spiritual movement. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you know, people that are that identify themselves as spiritual are all in favor of a one world religion, or maybe they are. I don't I don't know necessarily. But, you know, are you familiar with like Alice Bailey and the Lucius Trust and all that stuff? Not specifically. So they're an interesting group to look into, uh, basically kind of the spiritual gurus of the United Nations. And and they've uh well that's a dangerous they, phrase. <laughs> right, right. That's a dangerous phrase right there. <laughs> have you seen that meditation room that they have with the no. black cube and all that stuff inside of it? What should I'll I type in, what should I type into Google here? Are um, you gonna pull it up? Yeah, I'll pull it up here for you. It's a it's a wild thing, man. I did a in-depth episode, a really good friend of the podcast. I haven't met the guy in real life yet, but um his name's Shannon, and and you know, he ran a podcast for a little while, but you know, life happens and he's uh doing good and everything, but just not able to, uh, I'll pull up this meditation room first. Um, and it is hard for me to talk and text it or type, type and talk at the same time. So totally good enough. you, uh, you know, this guy brought this attention to my, to my attention. And basically the Lucius trust was, they started out as the Lucifer trust and they started pumping out all kinds of, you know, uh, pamphlets and brochures about how you can become more spiritual. Right. And they realized, well, shit, well, maybe we shouldn't use Lucifer when we're talking about this stuff. And we'll change it to Lucius, L-U-C-I-S. And they started blending Eastern and Western religion together really early on. She says that, you know, when she was in Hollywood, she, uh, you know, met with some entity. Uh, I think its name was Wajul Cool, uh, which is kind of a cool like hip hop name if you're going to go that route with it. But this is this meditation room that they made this is at the un in new york you've got a black i know it's not a, a perfect cue where are people where are people supposed to sit <laughs> they don't sit they just go in there and it's just quiet usually only a couple people at a time or maybe one person at a time um they go in there and there's this altar and uh you know world leaders before they go and make their speeches are said to come in here and like you know harness some type of energy and then go out there and uh, give their speeches about everybody taking vaccines or whatever, right? Um, yeah. So this was made in honor of the Lucius Trust. And uh, obviously, we're getting into some other stuff there. But yeah, man, it's a strange room. You see the light behind it. Um, it, there, it doesn't look like a very comfortable meditation room. Right, right. I, it, it seems like it's more for, you know, I don't know where you stand on the whole idea of like what these elites or these world leaders represent, but I think that it's a lot more dark than than good. 
Um, but yeah, sure. I'll pull up some Lucius trust here. I mean, I think they even admit it, you know? Yeah, man. It, it, it's they literally say, we'll take everything you own and you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. dude. Okay. So this is these guys here. Yeah. And that will eat bugs and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. All right. Like, they admit it. They literally admit it. That's the crazy thing about it. That's what's why. And, and I think that that goes into that karmatic property where, you know, you have to tell the people what, what you're going to do to them. And then if they mm. do nothing about it, then, you know, here we are with it. Um, now there's three parts to the Lucius trust. There's the triangles, the world, goodwill, and the arcane school. And, you know, the story goes that, you know, this lady that, you know, of course she's born into a wealthy family and she hates daddy. So she goes out, you know, she's, you know, raised Christian goes out, um, marries a priest, the priest beats her and all this horrible stuff, which is truly sad. I mean, that's sad anytime that happens, but then she goes to the opposite side. She gets involved with Lucifer worship. It sounds like. And um, just a strange, strange organization, man. It, you know, I, it, it would take hours to get into all this right here. But it's essentially trying to bring a one world religion, um, talking about, you know, meditation, talking about spirituality and all this stuff. And, and you know, they might be taking good concepts and flipping them on their heads. Right. And, and I'm sure that that's what a lot of people that are good people like, you know, I've never met you. I'm sure you're a good dude, though, relatively normal guy. Right. Where we're all just trying to do the same thing. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for, you know, probably to progress in life. Most people are trying to do, whether that means money or whatever. Um, But if I may interject, I think that's a good point, right? Is, and this is something I found like, you know, what is, you know, I've always asked myself is what is the point of religion? I think it's a very good question because things don't exist if they're not serving us. Sure. So if religion was just purely bad and purely evil, nobody would sign. The masses would not sign up for it. It wouldn't be as big as it is. So in asking myself that question, what I found is, is what you kind of stumbled on, which is we're all trying to get away from suffering. We're all trying to get away from pain and we're trying to get towards bliss and enlightenment. And now, I don't believe that all religions perfectly execute this, but that is the bedrock foundation that we're looking for in religion. It's like, okay, what is it? How is it that I'm able to live my life such that there is no suffering and pure bliss? How do you do that? It's a great question. And I think the answer is very, I think there are bedrock tenets that we can all agree upon. And they appear in terms of like the Ten Commandments. These bedrock tenants are like, look, no matter who you are, if you want to experience no suffering in your life, follow these. Now, you can start trying to add on different individualized commandments and updating your life to experience less suffering, like go work out. You know, it's not one of the Ten Commandments, but, you know, if you do that, you're going to actively choose for your body to suffer so that in the long term, you can experience longer levels of dopamine, serotonin, testosterone, and live ultimately longer. And so I think at a core fundamental level, that's the point of religion. Now, when you start getting into the idea of there's only one world religion, I don't like the idea because I believe it's something that's very individualized and private. It's kind of like a catch 22. Like I'd say if, if your one world religion is for the individual to find it, then I agree. But if you're saying it in terms of everyone's going to need to follow the same thing, I don't see how that's going to work out. Right, right. Because there's people that are just fundamentally not going to get there, right? 
And and you said something great there. You know, religion is trying to find pure bliss, zero suffering. Obviously, you know, everyone knows that's impossible. So, it, you know, you can't feel bliss without knowing what suffering is and, and whatnot. Like, you, you know, the idea I heard some, you know, people have asked forever, why, if there's a God, why do horrible things happen, right? There's these horrible things with kids. There's that new movie out that talks about all the child trafficking and all these horrible things that happen. Um, why would that happen if there was some, like, you know, good guy controlling all of this, right? Well, it's because you can't you can't experience positivity without that negativity. Um, obviously, there's a lot of negativity, it seems like, but then, you know, it's kind of, you know, these people that are in control, they're definitely making money off some of that human trafficking, so that's probably why it's allowed. But um, I wanted to show well, you this. I would, oh, I would, before we move on from that, I would say that it's, I mean, the question that I would pose back to you is how do you know that it's not possible to obtain ultimate bliss and removal of suffering? Because I don't think that anyone would know what bliss is without knowing what suffering is. What about like the great ascended masters? Like, I don't know, even Jesus or um, Buddha or I don't know, Gandhi. I think Gandhi. I'm trying to remember, but, you know, ascended masters who have uh, broken, you know, I don't want to say that either because that could be, I guess the core thing would be is like, how do you know that ascended masters haven't found that state of pure bliss without suffering? Well, I think that they all did suffer, right? I think that maybe they had to suffer to get to that spot. Jesus obviously suffered big time. Like if, you know, the story is real, which I, I tend to believe it you know, Buddha sitting under the tree or whatever it was like not eating and not, you know, if, if I'm thinking of the correct guy, um, you know, that's, that's suffering, you know, you're putting through your, you know, the idea of fasting, right. That's kind of meant to, I think, represent suffering in a way, right. Your body wants something, but you're depriving it of it. Um, that's the way I see it at least. I don't know if, uh, if I'm making my point clear here, but I just don't think that there can be bliss without suffering. I think that it's just kind of necessary. I feel like I might not be well equipped at this time to kind of give a rebuttal to that. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a discussion, you know, it, it doesn't mean I'm right or you're right. You know, it's just um, that's the way that I've come to see it after looking into all these things. Now, yeah, I think it'd be great if there was just pure bliss and if that was possible for people. But it sounds kind of like a utopian idea, right? The Greeks say, you know, a, a utopia is a place that doesn't exist type thing. So uh, it looked like you were about to say something there. Yeah, what's coming to me is what feels like it's kind of wrapped up in with all this. Is you're, you know, pointing out how, and I think it's a great question as well to talk about, which is why do bad things happen if there is a God, right? If there was a God, no, nothing bad should ever happen. Mm. And I think that this question really invites in the idea of free will i believe that it highlights the act of free will it shows us that god gave us a piece of his ultimate power and said do with it what you will do whatever you want and i think that our inability to align with the the energetic laws or principles of the universe creates the suffering in our own lives and i also believe in reincarnation and karma 
So it's not even this current life that we're probably working off karma from. Mm. I probably got past lives that I'm still working off karma from. I really have no idea. And all of this to say that, how do you not know if you so adaptly or so profoundly or so well align yourself with those principles, such as like, don't cheat on people, don't lie to people, don't steal, don't, um, you know, judge people behind their backs, or even in your own mind, don't judge people. I believe, and from what I've experienced in my life, is that the more we're able to do that, the more you're able to just stay calm, the more you're able to control your breath in high stress and anxiety situations, you can invite in that everlasting bliss. And I believe that there have been books that have been written and texts that have been written that have shown me that. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like you, you're dedicated to that lifestyle, right? And I think that there's a lot worse things that people could do than trying to find eternal bliss. Like that's a, that's a noble thing to look for. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying like, I think that you're a hundred percent wrong with all this stuff, right? It's just, you know, that, that's what I was excited to talk about on this show after listening to what you were talking about on yours is that, you know, I disagree with some things that you say. I agree with some other things that you say. That's what a conversation is supposed to be, right? If you're in an echo chamber and I'm just sitting here just saying, yeah, to everything you're saying, it's a boring episode. It's, it's a boring conversation. Now, with that said, um, do you feel like you're on your way to finding this eternal bliss that you're, that you're looking for? Yes. Is it yeah. and it's through this guy? The guy that you mentioned, forgive me, I can't remember his name because it is a longer one. What was <laughs> it's it? It's a hard one. It's in, you know, it's an Indian name, so I get it. Paramahansa Yogananda. I read a bunch of his books, and then he has a he has like these lesson plans that you can sign up for. And so he'll send them to your house every well, not him personally, but um, you know, this fellowship he set up. And and it's interesting because I had a lot of resistance towards it at the beginning because it has a lot of the energetics of like religion you would think but in going through it it's stuff you could just read it tell no one you're doing it and your life will improve i've been doing it for four months now and it's a it's a process so like every two weeks he'll send you a new pamphlet that gives you instructions way to view the world stuff like that and it just breaks down meditation techniques breathing techniques and I mean, I've probably experienced the most spiritual growth I've ever experienced in my entire life in the last four months Mm. from these lessons, because it's given me a guided way in order to get to the place that I'm trying to describe. Now, forgive me if you said this before, where did you come across this individual, this guru? Uh, The universe just found a way to keep talking to me. You know how whenever you're just scrolling through Instagram, you see something, then you go walk around and you see something else that reminds you of that. And then you see it a third time and you're like, oh, okay, there's something here. That happened with the autobiography of a yogi, his probably number one bestseller. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it somewhere else. I saw it a third time and I was like, all right, I I got it. I got the message. I'll open up this book. It's a long book. I recommend the audio book, but man, it's just it's riddled with things that are very difficult to believe. And I think that 
a part of me was like, okay, if this is truly possible, then let me see how deep this rabbit hole goes. And there was this like inner knowing, right? Back when we were talking about the plant medicine, mm-hmm. there's just this inner knowing that there's something here. And so I just kept following that. And it took me to these lessons and I've found some of the greatest internal peace from it that I don't think I've found from anything else. And on top of this, I do want to make a little asterisk that I'm not trying to say that this is something that everyone should do. It might not be for everyone. I think everyone's got their own destination, their own path to finding that eternal bliss. But I do want to say that it in everything I've experienced is that it is possible. And I mean, look at it, use your, use your own life anecdotally. Would you say that on your own self-improvement journey, you have found yourself less angry over time? Uh, see, I'm kind of different when it comes to that. And for the record, I don't think that you're trying to sell this at all. Uh, you know, to anyone that might be, you know, thinking that I think that they're, they're misunderstanding you when you're saying that, cause I'm asking the questions, right? Like, it's not like you, you came on here and you're like, Hey Ryan, I want to come talk about this guru and I want everyone to get involved with his work. Right. That That's not the case at all here. This is like an organic conversation, hundred percent. But for me, I embrace sadness. I embrace anger. Like if I'm feeling like something's going to make me mad, I let it make me mad. Um, if, if I feel, and this is, this doesn't work for everybody. Um, if I'm sad about something, I usually say a prayer to God in Jesus name. I end it with that. Um, obviously when I'm happy, I'm very happy. Now it's not like to the bipolar extent where people are very, very happy for days on end and then very, very down in the dumps for days on end. But I embrace all those feelings because I think that that makes us human. Um, you know, again, I, I come from that side. Do you hear that? Oh yeah, that was a chair upstairs. I didn't know if you could hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that scared. I thought I thought maybe we were uh, we we're connecting with some beings. Uh, <laughs> Don't scared. talk shit on Clinton. <laughs> yeah, we're getting too close. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I, I think that that makes us human, and I think that it's 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 healthy to feel these things. But again, I'm coming at it from a different perspective than you, where you feel like you can eliminate these things in an ideal you know, if you can, you know, graduate to these different levels of understanding and enlightenment, if you want to call it that. But uh, in my in my personal growth throughout life, I have found that I can deal with anger more healthy than, you know, getting physical with like some dude that's being a piece of shit to me. You know what I mean? Like I can either ignore them, I can talk it out rather than just throwing hands right away. You know what I mean? Which is the well, way. And I, and I believe that 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 right there will bring you that's like where you're at and i think it's very valid i think that's the in your path that's the next step into getting closer if you so choose and i'd say it's completely your choice towards you know more bliss in your life and i I, hopefully it doesn't come across as triggering because i could see how how that would be if it's like you know someone comes along and says oh your emotions aren't valid no they're they're 100 valid I'm more suggesting to just like, let them go. You know, you can get angry and it's valid, but I would suggest not harboring them. And in my opinion, what you're doing is exactly that is you are letting them go. Okay. Someone comes up and calls you all these names, right? You walk away. Okay. 
when in the past you may have retaliated by yelling at him and then it breaks down to a fight. And now you've created this loop where it's going to happen again and again and again right, right. until you level up in your life to let it go and to make a different choice than you did in the past. And right. that's where I believe you, you find this path to, you know, eternal bliss or eternal enlightenment as the, some of the gurus would call it. Yeah, no, that, that, so what it sounds like and what it sounds like, maybe people like yourself, not, not specifically you, but people that are actively seeking out this enlightenment. Like I'll, I'll just use that term. If there's a better term that kind of relates to it, let me know. But that's just the way that I think a lot of people might see it or like higher levels of consciousness. Um, it sounds like this naturally happens throughout a person's life. When someone's immature and they're a kid, they'll get angry when something makes them angry and they'll scream and cry. Everyone's seen a child throwing a tantrum, right? And some people are way too old to be throwing tantrums like that and they continue doing it. But it seems like naturally, if you're a healthy individual mentally um, or, or relatively normal, I know that's a tough word to use, but relatively normal person, you can deal with emotions. As you get older, you tend to let things go that bother you because you realize stress is a killer and all these different things, right? But it sounds like what people like you do is they try to get to that quicker because, you know, older folks enjoy their lives like a lot more when it comes to spiritual perspectives or, or spiritual aspects, I should say. They're, they're, com they're comfortable sitting at home, whether it's alone or with somebody that they love relaxing and just sitting there and doing nothing right like that's a that's a very valuable thing to to be comfortable with is like being alone and doing nothing like that's that i think that's a healthy thing now young people can't do that and young people can't deal with emotions as good as older people can for the most part so it sounds like that's kind of the goal right is to get there a little quicker so that you can enjoy more of your life from like a wholesome perspective am i right about that yeah i think you're right on the money with it good cool because it's it's also interesting as a reflection of this in the kind of something that he talks about. And again, I know how this could be triggering, right, is is that he even talks about Paramahansaji. He talks about how this initiation process that I'm going through, you know, it's going to lead me to what's called Kriya Yoga. What I'm observing and what I practice is kind of like Raja Yoga and what it does is it, it is that highway. It's that highway to enlightenment for what I've found is that this will take you from point A to enlightenment as quickly as humans have figured out to this date. And with that being said, I, I think everybody is on that path. Everybody's going at their own speed, right? Some people go to church, they get some, you know, they do some goodwill. And I think that that does generate good karma for them in this life and throughout you know, future lives, if you will. And what I'm observing, and I, I don't know why I, it's not like, I don't know if I actively chose it, but there's just something about that pursuit that grabs me and really just kind of pulls me in that direction. I, I, I can't explain why I choose that or not, but, you know, just whatever, whatever the wiring is, I am, I, I want that highway for some reason. I just want to get there and I don't know. It just, it feels right. Yeah. I mean, if it feels right to you, then that's probably what you should be looking into. Right. Like I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Now you mentioned Raja yoga, right? Like that, that's how you say it. Raja. 
Uh, yeah, Raj Yoga. I think the last day is kind of silent. Uh, okay. R-A-J-A. Gotcha. Yeah, I heard that term from somewhere and it kind of ties in with like Thelema a little bit. Are you are you kind of like a, a believer in that idea? Uh, like I'm not the, sure what Thelema is. Thelema? Yeah, Thelema. Um, oop, knocked my headphone out. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's an Aleister Crowley thing. Um, you know, he's an interesting character. I'm sure you heard of him. Um, heard the name, but I I guess I wouldn't know his claim to fame. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of an infamous dude, to be honest, but, you know, long story with him. But, you know, Thelema, that's something that you might be interested in. Um, I guess the way that I was introduced to these topics was more of a dark sense where it sounds like you were introduced to them in more of a positive sense. Right. You kind of stumbled upon these in an organic way. I sought these kinds of things out. There was some weird cult that had I forget what it was. It's like has something to do with hot yoga or fire yoga. Is that anything like uh, Raj Yoga? Because I don't know the differences, to be honest. Would that be, could that be Kundalini? Kundalini, I think, is different. Okay, I'm not sure what um, fire yoga is then. Let me see if I can find it here. Because when I do, like my, when I start research on an episode, I always look on Wikipedia first, right? Just to get like <laughs> the basic idea of it. And then I obviously dive into that uh, further. So this is. Dalit Dalsim Dalsim D H A L S I M. Um, I guess is fire yoga. And it's funny they actually show the street character, um, the Street Fighter character on there as well. Uh, so I don't know what it has to do with that, but yeah, man, it's just a weird. The way that I was introduced to it was much different than the way that you were, obviously. Well, um, what? How were you introduced to it such that it created? Um like what like what about it is i guess dark would be my question yeah so i found most of the terms uh that that you're kind of referencing here from that lucius trust you know from that that very you know in my opinion i think it's a harmful group but again how many how many cults out there are based around christianity you know what i mean how many cults out there are based around all these other quote unquote like all right, guys, that's it for the free portion. If you want to hear the rest, you know what to do. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. We go for about an additional hour. So this was a fun one. Big thanks to Clayton and Traveling to Consciousness. Check them out. And I hope to see you over there. Thanks so much for your support, guys. Enjoy. Enjoy.